I think that this makes performance because the riders are like animals. They, when they are sit uh, on their chair while the mechanics like now are uh, working, they are there uh, sitting like this, looking who is speaking with uh, who, who is uh, working with who, how they related with, uh, with them, and if they see that there is a very good connection, that is a very good uh, feeling, they need to be part of this and they want to show that they are part of this with the results, you know, because they want to please them with the results. So I think that uh, the, a good team makes performance. Hello and welcome to the MotoGP podcast, Last on the Brakes. As the title of the show and the backdrop may give you a clue to, uh, we have quite an exciting guest again this week from Ducati, of course, and it's with Davide Tardozzi. I'm Fran Wild. This is Matt Dunn. Hello. And uh, yeah, it was a great interview, I think. What, yes. are we, what are we getting ready to hear from Davide? Well, first and foremost, you're going to hear about giant wooden giraffes. You heard that right, audience. <laughs> Davide Tardozzi. In fact, that has some... to be the clickbaity title. So uh, yeah. sorry if you've come here expecting only about giraffes. Yeah, so uh, Davide Tardozzi, of course, <laughs> a very coveted history not just in MotoGP but in World Superbikes as well bleeds red obviously like we all do with Ducati I mean in his case <laughs> <don't he? laughs> but Davide he was I mean we've always we've wanted to interview him for a while he's, we've got a big list of people we want to interview and Davide's always been rather near the top of it um, because as you, as many of you will have noticed over the uh, various seasons you've watched MotoGP he's such a prominent figure in the Ducati garage and his celebrations when they win or even yep. get a podium are second just to none just search on that whatever GIF provider you use just have a look yeah I exactly think there's some gems just have a Davide Tardotzi on tenor GIF wherever <laughs> but uh, no we wanted to talk to him about one his uh, what his actual day-to-day what is the difference between his job and Paolo Cibatti's uh, and then also wanted to learn about his managerial style and also some cracking stories from his time in Superbikes some genuinely cracking stories yeah really so for you guys you retro fans who love a bit of Superbikes <laughs> from the 90s the yeah. heyday and this and that uh, who probably listen to Oasis in the car on the way to work not like me um <laughs> This one's for you. <laughs> wow, well, that was very uh, radio DJ. It style, was, wasn't yeah. it? Actually, yeah. Which rider missed their flight five times in a row for one trip? Yeah. Listen on to find out. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but yeah. So, what's the question of the week then? This week, we were thinking. Well. We've interviewed so many team managers now. We've actually had Alberto Puj as the first uh, episode we had in the new format of the podcast. We've also had mm-hmm. Hervey Poncherau, Pitt Byra, Lynn Jarvis, uh, Davide Brivia, of course, now of Alpine F1. Um, I said Pitt Byra, didn't I? He's also said Alpine, so the French want to Alpine, kill you. Alpine, sorry. Yeah. So, and now we've got Davide Tardozzi. So if you've not listened to all those episodes yet, go back and listen to them. And the question of the week for this week is... Which team manager would you like to be your manager if you were working in the paddock? Yeah. Doesn't matter what position. I think there's some fairly similar answers between all of them of like what works mm. and how they approach it. Yes. But obviously all very different people and all in very different situations and with different factories as well. And, and so, you know me, I love to sit on the fence and have a completely well-spread answer. When I get asked like by my co-commentator Neil about do I have predictions for races or championships, <laughs> I name about half the grid. So actually I come away from every single interview we do with the team manager going, God, tell you what. If I could work for one team in the paddock, I would like to work for him because he seems great. And I feel that after every single one. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, um, so, and, and 
Davide's the same. So, you know, so I'm not actually going to bother properly answering that. You guys can yeah, leave the no. comments on YouTube. There's some interesting <laughs> ones though, isn't there? Like, I remember when we did the Pit Byro interview, we came mm. out of that like really brimming with wow, like, yeah, we yeah. got this. And also thinking, oh, KTM are going to win the championship and dominate it for five years. Can't, you know? <laughs> and and it, the is not that simple, but you know. Of course not. But no, that was like a very different thing. And then with Davide Tolozzi, he seems like a lot of what he was saying was about how, of course, he makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. Mistakes are a part of that. And you feel like, okay, here you can, like, you've got room to breathe and grow and, yeah. like, a really different vibe. But, yeah, it's an interesting one. So let us know who would your pick be. Hashtag uh, MotoGP podcast on Twitter or leave a comment on the YouTube uh, version of this podcast. Indeed. If you do watch that. And if you would rather have someone from Aprilia, we will try and uh, add them to the lineup. Well, we've been trying to interview Massimo Rivola for a little while, but every time we want to actually interview him at the weekend, it turns out he's not arriving that day. So, okay. <laughs> we're um, trying so we're we trying. can do the full set yeah. of MotoGP manufacturers. Exactly. But, yeah, so we hope you enjoy this chat. Thanks a lot for listening and or watching as ever. And uh, over to Davide. Davide Tardotsi, welcome. Um, yep. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Now, these are all about, this is about you, not current topics, not, not necessarily your riders. Yeah, um, no rider rumours, yes. no, you know, Strange. classic. Yeah, forget it, you've never <laughs> done that before, right? No one yeah. trying to get an answer you don't want to give. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we, we do have quite a varied audience. Some are very, uh, some are older fans, some are younger. Davide Tardotsi, many will know you as the team manager at Ducati. But of course, before that, you were a rider. So I was wondering if we could start and you could give us a brief overview of your career as Davide Tardotsi, the racer. Yeah, I used to race uh, in uh, World Championship, uh, in 250 World Championship, uh, beginning of uh, 84, 85, something like that. Then uh, after I swapped to four-stroke because I, I was very close to Bimota. And uh, and in some way, we, I start to love uh, four stroke uh, earlier than uh, <laughs> than uh, all, all the people uh, are doing now. <laughs> but um, in the end, I start with uh, Superbike uh, in uh, 1988 with uh, Bimota. Uh, I had a quite good early career in uh, this. Uh, in this championship this was the first year of superbike yeah, yeah first year the yeah, first yeah i been in the first year of superbike uh, 1988 in uh, donington park fantastic racetrack mm-hmm. and then uh, for a couple of years i raced in uh, superbike first with bimota then with uh, i swapped to ducati in 1990 then uh, in 1993 uh, in I had in 1992 a bad accident, then in 1993 I stopped and uh, the Castiglioni brother, at the time uh, owner of Ducati, gave me the possibility to run uh, uh, a team with uh, two riders. Okay, cool. So your relationship with Ducati was from the time when you changed from being a rider to... Yeah. Yeah. So the next stage uh, of your career? Yeah, I started at uh, the beginning of uh, the 90s uh, as a rider, then uh, as a tester because I was a rider and even the tester of uh, the internal team, the factory team. Um, then I had uh, this accident and uh, again, they, they gave me the possibility to stay in Ducati as a manager. At that time, there was uh, two teams. There was the factory team and uh, a kind of uh, supported team like Pramac now yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with us uh, that I was running uh, um, and managing and uh, then uh, in 1999 uh, Ducati decided to have only one factory team uh, and uh, they asked me to, to run the team. 
How was that adjustment then to going from a rider to the team manager in that first year? Because you're so experienced now, but back then I imagine it was a whole new world. Yeah, in the beginning, uh, not so easy because uh, I guess that uh, one of the most difficult thing uh, for a former rider to become uh, team manager is uh, to step down. What what I say under brackets, step down from the bike. Mm -hmm. You know, that means that. Uh, it's good your experience, you know exactly what uh, the riders uh, maybe are thinking or uh, what they need. But the most important thing is uh, that uh, you have uh, to select what the rider needs, mm. not give him what the rider wants. Right, yeah. That's, that's I like different. That, that's an uh, important Because riders yeah. are always asking, so you must give them what they need not what they want. <laughs> but how do you know what they want compared to what they need and when it that's, differs? <laughs> that's part of the experience, that's part uh, of uh, your uh, uh, attitude. Uh, that means that uh, uh, it's something that uh, you, you you must imagine, mm. obviously, and uh, thinking to your former career, uh, because after you stop, you know exactly the mistake you make. Yeah, you know? hindsight's a you, wonderful you, thing. You, you know yeah. exactly which kind of step uh, you, you make uh, as a fault or uh, which kind of step uh, you make in to go forward. Mm. So, uh, in the end, I think that something is something that comes from inside, you know. It's a kind uh, of talent that uh, you have because to, to do this job, in some way, you need to have a kind of talent to uh, approach the riders, mainly the riders, not only the team, in the proper way. Mm-hmm. I guess, do you think then the riders are definitely the most difficult part of managing a team? Absolutely, yes, yeah. because the riders are the most important part of the team. Right, yeah. exactly. So this is uh, very important to, to manage in the proper way. I, uh, I grew up watching Superbikes in the 90s before I started watching MotoGP and you were a very prominent figure on the TVs there and I was a big Ducati fan, so I was like a fan of Yafogarty, Keeley, Tozen, Hodgson, Bostrom. Uh, so I'm fascinated to know from a manager's experience, who were some of your favourite riders to work with? Who were your favourites? Who caused you the most stress? <laughs> what was your take from, from that period of Superbikes? Uh, I've been very lucky. Ducati gave me really the possibility to have uh, fantastic riders. Mm. And uh, we won a lot uh, in this era because uh, not only of the bike, uh, but uh, mainly of, uh, because we had uh, fantastic riders. I think that, uh, okay, everybody knows that... Uh, I have a, a special, special, special uh, relationship with uh, Troy Bayliss, but uh, in the end, uh, all the riders I had, uh, I have a special relationship. Uh, Foggy first. Uh, <laughs> as I always say, Foggy won uh, for a championship uh, to him, to Michaela. Because, <laughs> yeah, 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 because uh, the first two championships, uh, I guess, 95. 94, 95 uh, belongs uh, or 95, 96 belongs to him. Yeah. But uh, in the end, uh, 98, 99, uh, Michaela, his wife, uh, gave him uh, a big, big, big help because the mid uh, of uh, 98, uh, he was going to quit right. because he had a very, very bad race uh, mid championship uh, in uh, in Germany and uh, in, on the wet, and he decided to stop. Uh, is enough? I don't want to race anymore. So uh, she convinced him mm. to to back uh, 
to to race and he won the championship. Wow. But uh, he was very close to leave That's the. Yeah, I, I guess that uh, nobody <laughs> knows this uh, thing, Especially but. Uh, that's why I'm uh, I'm saying to him, everybody, 98-99 belongs to Bikaya. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny different. as well because you think sometimes like the stereotype of the family is that they want them to stop. They want them to be home more. They want them to come mm. back. And then actually maybe sometimes they can play an important role in carrying on and actually achieving that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah but in, in the end, just to finish the thing before, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a very, very good relationship with uh, English and Australian riders. Uh, because even with uh, ben Bo- uh, with um, Neil Hudson and uh, James Toseland, uh, uh, Troy Corse, Troy Bayliss, I mean uh, English and uh, Down Under riders uh, <laughs> makes me my life easier. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. Just the I, I, I always had a very very special relationship with yeah. them. I don't know why, because I am Italian, I'm so focused. I'm different from yeah, them, yeah, yeah. but uh, in some way we always found uh, a very good uh, relationship. Well, you've so, got an Australian again now as well, yeah, exactly. Course, so I, was I say. guess that's, yeah. yeah. I was <laughs> going to ask you, um, uh, we're so ho- Foggy sort of, yes, we all know the stories about Carl back in the day and uh, nearly quit then in 1998, but who else sort of caused you sort of perhaps a bit more stress as a team manager? I remember I listened to a podcast um, a few months ago with Ben Bostrom and he said he was notorious for missing flights and things like this. <laughs> but who else caused sort of issues like that? Going from California to yeah. South Africa, he, mean, he missed five flights. Five? Five. <laughs> Just one trip? In one trip. Oh my goodness! Wow. One, he was missing uh, in the duty free, and uh, he forgot to take the, the next flight. Uh, <laughs> once, uh, and the midtime we um, we take another flight, and he missed because in the midtime he found a nice girl, and uh, oh, he, he needed to spend <laughs> one day in London. Uh, uh, but five, five. five. Wow. Okay. I, don't think uh, is, I guess this is a record. In one trip as well, in that one must trip. be in a record, trip. surely. But uh, <laughs> at that time, uh, we miss him uh, once more while in South Africa because uh, he was, um, uh, I'll say, uh, a fan of uh, claiming mountains. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. rock climbing. Yeah, yeah. rock climbing, yep. Yeah. And uh, he arrived, uh, that's what the following year, um, he arrived uh, a bit earlier to, to claim a hill uh, mountain near near uh, Johannesburg and uh, he said okay see you tonight for dinner then he went with his uh, friend uh, there and 7 o'clock 8 o'clock 9 o'clock <laughs> Ben like. Smith in the end uh, the following day he came back and uh, he said oh no you know what that uh, here the sun is going down so quick and at six o'clock I was there and I sleep uh, on the mountain my god <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> meanwhile you're thinking this is my multi-million euro ride yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he's just not finished on it, not yeah. finished this trip okay because his brother was uh, Eric yeah Eric yeah. Uh, bought, uh, bought uh, a <laughs> new house in, uh, in California and they want to give him a present right and nice present from South Africa so uh, the Sunday Saturday morning yeah. I see a truck arriving uh, behind uh, the the pit garage and uh, there was something incredible on the back then they start uh, with the big lift 
to give uh, to give us uh, his uh, present for the wife, and there was uh, a how you call it? Obviously, <laughs> giraffe. You know, uh, giraffe. The giraffe. Yeah, yeah. What, like a, a giraffe in wood, but a wooden giraffe. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. The natural size. Really. <laughs> Full-size wooden giraffe. Well, as a present for the house, to save out of California, my goodness. Then was so funny. So, who paid, so did it get back there? Who paid for that? Uh, then I had to, to take a container to send that to then California. you had to send it to... <laughs> <laughs> well, when I you see this giraffe, yeah, the, what is that? Okay. So, it sounds like your job's kind of changed a lot in the uh, last year. So you don't have to deal with that sort of thing no, anymore. That yeah. time was so funny, but uh, th- this time is better. Because uh, when you go ahead, uh, you, you improve uh, mm. always thing. But uh, I always laugh uh, looking back uh, yeah. in the past because uh, I had a very very nice time, and I, I thanks uh, our riders because they did not only give me the possibility to win a lot with mm. them, but uh, even to laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you won, but you had fun while doing you it. Know, That's the main thing, isn't it? Normally, at that time, I was not so happy. But yeah. now, looking back... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. At that time, I, I imagine laugh. there was more stress than laughing when the full-size wooden giraffe arrives. <laughs> well, that's amazing then. So, talking about more now then, how, how is it now that you're where you are, MotoGP, team manager, Ducati factory team, obviously from that sort of heyday, what's your journey to where we are now? Uh, was it first just, of all, I'm, hey Davide, so, come I'm, over here? Or? <laughs> Mostly at the phone, yeah. and uh, I think that is very, very important to be in contact with uh, the team members. Uh, I don't want to say daily, but weekly at least, uh, with many of them even daily, uh, with the people that are more close to me and uh, with the factory. But uh, in the end, uh, what I love is uh, uh, to have the family feeling. Family feeling means that uh, you need to be really close to them. You need to organize things all together. Uh, I, I really think that uh, if you have a, a not worker, not good worker in the garage, but if you have people that love themselves, they help themselves, is a big help for the rider too. Because the rider need and they want to be part of that they want to do something to this group and the results is is a performance thing mm-hmm. uh, having a, a good team uh, uh, connection i think that makes performance makes it's not only that you need the, the, the best mechanic that uh, yeah. uh, take it's like, the like super groups in music so often you take the best member of four different bands but the combination just because they're the best is not as special as the people who really bond together and make that happen. You need to have the best person for that job. You don't need to have the 10 best mechanics of the world or the 10 best engineers. You need to have the best person on this job connected to the other job. Each one of them need to know what's his field and who's next to his field Mm -hmm. to to be related with. So... um, very difficult to find uh, uh, the right people in the right position. Alex Briggs told us that uh, it's not, when we interviewed him, it's not necessarily that him and Brent Stevens were the best mechanics in the world, but as a group together, absolutely. it's the travelling together, the getting on with each other, that absolutely. sort of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Awesome. And uh, again, I think that this makes performance, yeah. because the riders are like animals. Mm-hmm. 
they when they are sit uh, on their chair while the mechanics like now are uh, working they are there uh, sitting like this looking who is speaking with uh, who who is uh, working with who how they related with uh, with them and if they see that there is a very good connection that is a very good uh, feeling they need to be part of this and they want to show that they are part of this with the results okay. you know yeah. because yeah, they want to please them with the results yeah. so i think that uh, the a good team makes performance so did this uh, was ducati always like this from the moment you came to the motor gp team what was your first year with ducati motor gp rather than superbikes because uh, you, you went to bmw 2010 slightly in different uh, superbike to motor gp uh, in the beginning uh, it was not so easy because yeah. i have to understand because a uh, few of them was uh, with me in the past, uh, but uh, many of them, uh, mainly engineers, uh, not. So uh, need a bit of time to understand things mm. because you need to understand uh, personal things. Yeah. Because uh, uh, many times the work is, uh, um, I mean, the personal things has a lot of influence in, on the work. So you need to know how is the family, if you have a problem at home. I mean, to be sure that you make a good job with uh, all of them, you need to know very well all of them. So uh, if there is a problem that you have to manage because they have a personal problem at home, you need to know everything and manage in the proper way. And this extends from the rider through to the guy taking the tires out? Yeah, yeah wow. exactly. I like this vibe. So the other thing I think is, certainly for fans watching, what are the roles, how are the roles different for you and Paolo Ciabatti, for example? Because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gigi seems more defined, uh, yeah. and then so often on TV three, we three, see you three and Paolo. Yeah. First of all, Gigi is the, the, three amigos. the, Gigi is the boss, he's <laughs> uh, the general manager, he's uh, also the, but in the end uh, he is uh, a technician, he's an engineer, yeah. so... He's uh, more focused on uh, uh, the engineering, the um, mechanical part uh, to, to the development of the bike. Uh, while Paolo is uh, a sporting director, that means that he's uh, more related uh, to contacts and uh, um, also communication and marketing. So sponsorship, uh, contract with sponsors and uh, and uh, riders and whatever. While I I take care to the to the team, mechanics, uh, travels and whatever is around the team. Wow. They are more uh, Gigi in house uh, related to engineers and even on on track. While Paolo again marketing and uh, contracts. Okay. He's the, sport, he's the sporting director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's always interesting with these things because so often on TV we see you guys in the garage and then the thing came, comes up and it's like Davide Tarazzi, team manager. And it's like to understand what that means you're doing. Uh, you, you know what? The that in the end is... we talk together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, again, Gigi is the boss, but in the end we talk. Yeah, we yeah. talk and the decisions are shared. I guess yeah, yeah. the same as between you, like in the garage, that that connection and working together uh, is... I am the guy in the garage. Mm -hmm. Paolo is uh, the guy that uh, overview the things. Uh, um, I mean, 
Money, yeah. in some way. He's the money man. <laughs> money man. And Gigi is the boss that uh, allowed us to do this or that. Mm. And mainly is uh, the technical director. That's amazing. Cool. Okay. So I'm interested to know then, you, you mentioned, okay, the job now is very different to what it was, you know, Absolutely. late 90s, things like that. Um, has your favorite aspects of the job changed in that time? Or is it still the same thing? Uh, I guess winning's obvious, but... <laughs> yeah. uh, honestly, it's not so changed. The problem is that uh, in the past, uh, you have to do many things. Mm-hmm. Now we are three that we are doing several, uh, each one of us, uh, uh, several things. Right. Uh, but our things, <laughs> each one of us <laughs> doesn't, uh, is not involved in, uh, in the job of the other. Okay. Each one of us knows exactly what is doing the other, but is not uh, doing, how you say, is uh, not influencing uh, his job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not stepping on someone else's toes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. that's the phrase. Yeah. Uh, in the past, uh, you were forced to do almost everything. Jack Miller. Do you get through? Whatever he's telling you is lies. It's actually all super positive. So. Not about you. That was Jack Miller for everyone listening. Um, I did want, did have one small last topic question to ask you before some quick fire questions. Um, because well, I really like what we heard earlier about the, the culture in the garage and looking after everybody from the rider down to the tire guy. So I was wondering from a managerial position, what sort of advice you might have for anybody listening in their own managerial position outside of racing? What sort of lessons have you learned that apply to them? To learn from the other. <laughs> because the, right. sometimes I I do what I will say that the riders do. Sometimes I'm sitting in the garage hmm. and uh, listening and uh, looking and uh, you, you always learn from the other. Then uh, uh, honestly advice, uh, I don't have big advice. Uh, the only thing that I can say is that uh, uh, you must be supported by, uh, you know, the, the 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 sport you you love because uh, my best support is that i love to do this yeah. i I, I honestly <laughs> can do this even for free but don't tell the cat yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer. i i lo- this is my life that's why i think that uh, in sometimes i can add uh, very good ideas or uh, uh, some good thing but uh, in the end i make also mistake but uh, I was very well supported by my teammate, by Gigi, by Paolo, like, like we are. I mean, everybody, wh- whoever say that he's not making mistake in this job is a liar because it's easy to make mistake in this job. But um, I think that uh, the best thing uh, you can have is the support from uh, the other teammate. Whether you're making mistakes or not. Uh, Even when you make mistakes, have yeah, support, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. So, final question about now. Just how is it now? Obviously, there's been quite a lot of ju- change at Ducati this season. Now you've got Jack, you've got Peko, you've won races already. Peko's been close. Um, how is the feeling now with these guys? Is it all settled in? You feeling like you've really got that atmosphere created now? I think that we of- have a very, very, very good atmosphere. I think that people like Jack are uh, incredibly uh, team player because Jack uh, is his own atmosphere, isn't yeah, he? <laughs> yeah, but I was so so surprised uh, because uh, obviously this is a job is a 
one man show. I mean, riders uh, always say the uh, who's next to you is uh, the first uh, to beat and so so. But uh, I give an advice to Jack uh, uh, Austria one, and uh, after two minutes that I told him this, he called me. Uh, before to enter the, the, the racetrack and he said, did you say that also to Pecco? That's, that's something that I appreciate a lot. Yeah, because it uh, means that wow. uh, he's a, a real Ducati rider. Wow. Means that uh, first of all, the best for the team, not only yeah. for him. And I appreciate a lot. Brilliant, that's really oh, good, wow. I love that a lot. Perfect note to end on then. We do just have some quick fire questions for you. They're not like quizzing you on information. Just short answers. <laughs> short so, answer if I can. <laughs> I mean feel free as well. To, they can be essay questions if you want them okay. to be. So normally we start with the first one in case you need time to think. In? In case you need time to think. Because the first person we did the new quickfire with was Luca Marini in Qatar and he needed like half an hour. Yeah, he couldn't <laughs> think of the answer. So, which three people, dead or alive, anyone at all, would you like to have at a dinner party? You mean... Uh, anyone in the, in the world. Anyone, anyone in the world. In the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Luca take uh, three, three, half an hour because you have so many people to invite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, my son. Oh, okay, that's okay. we've not had that one yet. Yeah? My son, um, no, no, uh, difficult uh, to say, uh, the Pope, you know why? Why, go on. Because uh, I'm Christian, but I'm not uh, somebody that trusts everything. So I want to discuss with you. Okay, yeah, excellent. Okay. Love that reasoning. Who's the third person? Uh, who's the third? Uh, the third, uh, very difficult. Uh, um, very difficult, the third. Let, let me say Troy Should we Bay. come back to that? No, we'll, Troy we'll, Bay. We'll come back to it. Oh, Troy, Troy Bay. Bay. I, I, well, I yeah. want Troy because I want to discuss with him. You know, sometimes you have fight, huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you want to resolve those old conflicts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, in the end I want to win. <laughs> you also want Troy and the Pope. <laughs> yeah, Troy Bayless. It's going to be a know, great dinner. I want to discuss with the Pope. And, uh, <laughs> the Pope probably it. wants to ask Troy Bayless about Imola 2002. <laughs> I would. Okay, so second question then. Which track, not currently on the calendar, would you like MotoGP to go to for Matt Polanski? So which one? Uh, what I said before, Donington. Interesting, okay. Oh. I love Sorry, Donington. Yeah, dear. Yeah. <laughs> what about Silverstone has been, been fairly kind to the ah, You said huh? not in the calendar. Oh, yeah, true. okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair we're enough. okay. We can no, Silverstone is a fantastic racetrack, but, but you said not in the calendar. Okay, yeah, perfect. Cool. Sorry, we ruined that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Malk, Malk, I've done it even worse this yeah. time. Sorry, Mike. Hey Mike Falcone asks, who has helped you get to where you are that we don't know about? Is there uh, anyone who's been super yeah, instrumental? Yeah, uh, he's not anymore with us, he passed away, but uh, uh, it was an engineer, Martini, uh, Federico Martini, okay. that he used to be engineer in uh, uh, Gilera and Piaggio in the 80s and uh, 90s. Uh, he helped me a lot. Excellent. When, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I have uh, no money at all. He was helping me a lot in my career and uh, with advice. Uh, so Federico Martini is his name. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess that uh, the old people of uh, this paddock knows him, but uh, he passed away. He was uh, the when he passed away uh, seven years ago. He was the chief of uh, uh, Gigi Dallinia in Piaggio. Okay. Ah, okay. Wow. He was the technical director of, of the Piaggio, Piaggio Group. Group. Ah, Great. cool. Okay, excellent. Um, okay, next question from Team Japan GP. Um, which is, what is one thing that our listeners would be surprised to learn about you? Ooh, I am so open guy, so uh, I don't know what's uh, <laughs> not, not, not so obvious to everybody. Uh, you know what? That sometimes I am even calm. Because really? everybody thinks that I'm quite crazy. That's so we so, so uh, sometimes yeah. I'm in calm. Okay, okay. Sometimes. Not, just not when you win or podium or no. anything like that. No, no uh, that's something that I have to explain. And we love I, it. I, 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 I would say in English, somatize. You know, I, I feel the racing. I mean, yeah. I, I am on yeah. the bike. Yeah, right. Okay. I am on the bike. And when I, 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 the rider, cut the finish line, I win. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I, if the rider is excited, I am excited. Yeah, you feel it <laughs> bursting out of you. Sometimes yeah. the bike is lower because I am sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Is that the secret the to the whole yeah, shot device? Because they have <laughs> yeah. two person on the bike. <laughs> okay, so, and then the final one is from Chicky McFly. Is there a day in your life that you'd like to relive? To experience it again, not to change it? Oh, many. Many whoever say oh, I don't want to change nothing in the past. No, I would, oh, would like to change. Oh yeah, yeah, I would like to change many things, and uh, I'm sure that uh, I make uh, mistakes uh, in uh, my job and uh, in my normal life. Uh, so there are so many. I I don't have uh, one. May- maybe one. I have one. Uh, last race. Uh, if, if we are talking about racing, the last race. Uh, uh, in New Zealand, when I lost uh, the championship in 1998, uh, the, I make a mistake uh, on the wet, and uh, I lost the championship by two points, I guess. Oh. So, uh, so that that's something that uh, I never won uh, a world championship. Okay. Well, fair enough. But you've been fairly successful since, so that's yeah. okay. And you've had fun <laughs> doing it. Since there's plenty of glory as well, yeah. so... <laughs> Don't All right, break. thank you so much, Davide. Thank you. Yeah. It was a pleasure talking to you and learning some of those uh, stories about missing flights and wooden giraffes. <laughs> giraffes. <laughs> Love it. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much. Have a good weekend. Good I hope you enjoyed that interview with Davide. I think that was that was actually one of the ones that I've laughed more during, actually. Some of those stories were really cracking. Yeah. I'd love to hear more from them. We are a bit uh, pressed for time sometimes. We have a, a long... It's, it's difficult to get more than half uh, more than half an hour with people in the paddock to be quite honest with you um, but it's, it's worth about half an like hour it's almost like they're here to do something wildly different rather than just talk to us and Ben Bostrom's flights yes exactly but, um, obviously everything's part of the incredible show that is MotoGP so we do get a little bit of time to yeah dive a little bit behind the curtain and get to know some people especially people like Davide I think who are so often on TV, especially because, like we said in the intro, and you will have seen if you're watching this, I'm sure you've watched races, um, that Davide's reactions are just absolutely legendary. Exactly. So to get to know him a little bit more is really great. So I hope you enjoyed that. And if you did actually learn something new about Davide, because we hope you did learn something new about his actual (laughs) role, the distinction between him, Gigi and uh, Paolo Ciabatti, let us know and let us know what you enjoyed most about this episode. And also remember the question of the week as well. And I guess we'll see you next time because we haven't organised who we got next, have we? We don't know who it is next. No, we're taking a step into the unknown. If any of you guys want to come on the show, let us know. (laughs) Bye. Yeah, ciao for now. Yeah.